Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome to season two, episode twenty-six of the Homestead in UK podcast. I'm Al I'm here with my mate Mike. How you doing, Mike? You started good? a revolution, brother. Yeah, we're literally just talking, and we're like, we should be recording this. So. Uh, I, I'm almost just going to dive straight into it, mate, because you were telling me about this new concept that you've got. We talked about a little life, bro. Little life. Okay, go on. And yeah, I know that some people will have been doing this sort of thing for years, but it's more than just some of those phrases that you hear bandied around about, you know, simple living and all of that kind of yeah. stuff. And it, it, it's something which I've been thinking about for a little while, and it encompasses lots of different facets of who I am as a person, and I was trying really hard to make more and more of the decisions that I'm making based on, um, you know, dropping as much of the sort of consumerism, fad buying, you know, kind of habit-formed consumer spending, whatever you want to call it, Mm. and just trying to live within my own means a little bit and be a bit more in control of things. One, because I know the provenance of it, but also because there's a a thrift implication. Yeah. But there's also kind of like a real nice freedom that comes with it, I have to say. So we were just talking there, weren't we, about eggs and how I've still got quite a good supply of eggs at the moment. Yeah, my eggs are going well still, yeah, same. And so it's about changing some of those habits where, you know, as a a shopper, we were buying meat because I'm not totally self-sufficient in meat. So yeah, you know, we might buy some meat to have in the week and eat, eat different dinners, but it's... It's about trying to come back round to, well, no, this is what I've got. This is what I've produced. Mm. Let's make that the whole focus. Now, I know that for some people it's like, well, yeah, we've been talking about this for the last two or three years or whatever you, but it's, it is it is very easy to sort of slip back into some of, some consumer habits, I think isn't that's it? The, I think for me that's the hardest bit of all of it, actually. Yeah. It's the hardest bit of all of it because not only that, if it were just for me, it would be easier. Yeah. But because I've got a family... And because yeah, yeah. my kids are going to want to take some cucumber in their lunchbox, yeah. I have to buy a cucumber every yeah. week, or two or three cucumbers sometimes, you oh know? God, mate, I'll tell you what, my cucumbers are unbelievable. Well, I've had, I've had some good ones this year. I so can't I'm, believe yeah. And I've always bought at the price of F1 cucumber, yeah. you know, five seeds for four yeah. quid. Totally worth it. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm growing uh, Carmen is yeah, one. Yeah, Carmen as well, yeah. And the other one is La Diva. Ooh. Mate, Saucy. they are... Churning them out, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mine, I've out. got, I've got one in one greenhouse and one in the other greenhouse, and one of them is just going mental. Yeah, they are absolutely. I hope the other one will catch up and do the same. So anyway, so, yeah, so, so we're having a lot of cucumber salads, funnily yeah, enough, because well, that's what we got. And, and this is the thing: it's that that mindset change. Cucumber omelette. <laughs> what do I want to eat versus yeah. what have I got? Which yeah. interestingly was something we were talking about when we started out with, because when absolutely. we first started recording this three years ago, we were right in the middle of the first COVID lockdown. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, actually three years ago, we're coming towards the end of the first big lockdown, yeah. weren't we? Yeah. And people obviously were sort of starting to go out a bit more tentatively, but it was still, well, what can I get hold yeah, of? And what maybe, am I going to cook with what I've got rather than what uh, I want to make? And maybe it's because I'm reflecting on how things have, you know, like there were some good bits to being stuck in and having the time and the space to make things and do things. And maybe some part of me is thinking back to some of the positives about that. And how easy that is to slip a, slip back into, oh man, I really fancy this tonight and just going and yeah. buying it. Because it's easy and quite often it's cheap. Yeah. Rubbish food is cheap. Yeah, it, yeah. Isn't it? Um, but taking control over what you consume, and I don't just mean about, you know, food and talking about products and everything like that. And, and using what you've got or what you can get. And tailoring your life around that so that there's like this beautiful simplicity that comes yeah. really. Because 
all those kind of decisions about I could have this, that, that and that are, well, I don't even need to worry about that mm. because I'm just going to try it and really celebrate and enjoy what I've got. Of course, it doesn't mean you can't buy things if you want something or it's a special occasion or you want to, of course, or you know, or you can't live without a certain food stuff or a certain experience. It's not about that. But for me, it's it's not just about food. It's about trying to gain a kind of another level of simplicity. And mm. you know, I was talking to you about playing cards and doing simple things, and that mm. came out of a conversation I was having with a friend. And then I started doing a bit of that at home and things like that. And it's just lovely to see yeah. some of those really simple um, interactions and pastimes that you just kind of forget about. Yeah, it's like boiled eggs, mate. That's what I'm going to talk about. Boiled eggs boiled and soldiers, eggs. right? Go on. I can't tell how much I love boiled eggs and soldiers. It's what? an unbelievable thing. So for our, our listeners who might be listening from somewhere other than here... Mate, you ain't telling me that bald egg and soldiers don't exist in the I'm world I'm not sure everywhere. it's ubiquitous, no. Of course it is! <laughs> not sure. A soft boiled egg. Yeah. Whip the top off. Yeah. And your bread cut into little one centimetre strips. Come on, mate, everyone does little, that. Little strips of toast. Well, they're dip. your soldiers, and you dip them into dip the yolk. Yeah, okay. everybody has that, surely. I'm sure everyone does it, but I'm not sure they call it the same. I don't know. Boiled egg and soldiers. Just, a little, bit of salt, little bit of salt on the side. Absolutely. Now the thing about boiled egg and soldiers is this: I go through I go through episodes of having boiled egg and soldiers. Yeah. So like I have them well like once a week for a month, and then I sort of forget, and then I forget about them for ages. Yeah. And then I come back to them. It's like, oh man, why did I stop eating these? Yeah. These are amazing, aren't they? And I don't know whether it's just a British thing, but oh, man, I could do boiled egg and soldiers right now. Have a cup of tea. <laughs> it's such a great thing. You yeah. can have it for tea or breakfast. Yeah. Can't you? Yeah. Are you a boiled egg and soldiers man? I'm more of a poached egg man. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying that I don't like poached eggs either. I'm just saying this. I go through fads. Yeah. And I go through kind of episodes where we have one thing or two things. So it's about just remembering those simple pleasures and those simple things in life. And um, maybe maybe it ties it into doing some of the baking at home. And that has brought a change in what we're buying and what we're eating. You know, we consume hardly any bought baked goods anymore. And, and that's a big thing. It's a mm. really big thing. Yeah. Um, and even though I've got one daughter who doesn't like the um, current cake that we that I make, so I have to make her a lemon sponge every now and then. Yeah. But I'm trying to think about how not to buy lemons. This is the next thing. So yeah, it's about finding different ways to get what you want based on what you have. And so I using suppose, what you've got rather than going and buying. Yeah, but this also, time of year is a good time of year to be thinking like that. Yeah, anyway, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely, and you know. <laughs> I'm sure that I'll get into the middle of the depths of winter and really want to eat strawberries. But funny enough, I don't. I don't either. No, I, no. but that will lead on. That will lead on to the second couple of other bits of topics that we wanted to talk about. But seasonality, of course, is in there because yeah. you use what you've got. Yeah. But also, there's that skill about foraging. Yeah. A bit. Yeah. There's also something else though, which you know I'm a bit reluctant to talk about, but it's. Because it's not really, it's more about an inner contentment, isn't it? It's, it's about what you place your values in, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, and if, the, and, and if you can't live without having a, a nicer, bigger car than your neighbours or, a, or a, yeah. other things like that, or, or if that is what, what you see as inherently valuable, mm. then perhaps little life isn't, it's going to be quite hard to get your head around the concept. Mm. But obviously, we all have our different things that we love and like in life. I just know that for me, it seems to be getting simpler and simpler yeah you know and that's not being spiritual religious in any sense it's just as a human being and my impact and my footprint and all of those yeah. things um and you know i've i've you know i've been driving for a long time now and over the last just because of circumstances i've been driving a very small car for yeah. the last year yeah 
And I thought it was going to be a nightmare. But it isn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it isn't a nightmare. It's way more economical. You just got all the back seats down and use it like a van, don't you? Well, yeah. But, but, it, <laughs> yeah, but if you want to put people in it, you can. It yeah. still goes everywhere that my, my bigger car went. Yeah. I can't get as much stuff in it. No. But, but it hasn't been a problem yet. You know, I have got a truck I can borrow for logs. Yeah. But if I had to load it up with logs and do four runs once a year... I would do it. No, I load my car with logs. I did it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I'm going to do it again later yeah. on tonight when we finish yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Your car's a bit bigger than the one well, I'm It is a bit bigger than yours, but, but even still, if I load that up with logs, I can't fill it completely because no. the weight of it... No, you'd have not, to just do it bit by bit, I, wouldn't yeah, you? And, yeah. and so it's about reducing that desire to always want you know, more and more and more and more, I suppose, mm. because... Um, because you can always justify it, can't you? Oh, I need it to do this, or I need it to do that, and I need it to do that. But really, what I'm trying to do, I suppose, is, is have a level of contentment. And mm. I'll tell you what, I, it does bring a level well, of contentment. Well, I've failed epically, mate, already this week. <laughs> it's my birthday in a couple of well, in a month or so, and my wife's like, you need a new coffee machine. Oh, right, oh, seriously. The old one dies, the old one dies. Well, then that's all right, isn't it? And she was like, you're going to have to have, I'm going to get you one for your birthday, oh, what do you want? And it arrived this week, and I... It looks, uh, like it's already, mate. it looks like Cape Canaveral. It looks like Cape Canaveral. It's not exactly little. I had a little French press, made perfectly nice coffee. Mm, mm. But this is. Wow. Well, anyway. funny enough, we can talk about. No, because it does lead in. Because this is an area where I have a bit. I have a little bit of a, uh, an issue because mm. you can't grow coffee in this country. No. And I love coffee. Yep. Really love it. Um, and I like it in lots of different ways. Um, and recently, I've been. My daughter's home from university, and she's bought a. She's got a little pod machine that you put yeah. pods into. Yeah. And they're quite expensive, and I've mm-hmm. had experience with one before, which was really good actually. But the pods were quite expensive, but and there's lots of rubbish associated with it. It's really bad, you know. For, yeah. And I got into buying refillable pods that you could then yeah. buy your own ground coffee with and put yeah. in and stuff like that. But it became a bit of a faff. Yeah. And and I'd had a mocha pot for years. Yeah. And not used it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have got a mocha pot. A mocha pot. And have never used it. Stove top express. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, yeah. And I think a lot of people have had one for a long time and never used oh, it. Oh, I love mine. Right. Just occasionally, though. Why is that? Well, usually I take it camping or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great for that. Yeah. Or we're going away on holiday. I might take it with me away on holiday because if you get there and there's not a decent coffee machine, then yeah. that's the holiday ruin. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. so that just goes in a bag somewhere, you know? You so I, I, I've been using it probably for two years now, though. But yeah. I learned how to make really good coffee with it. Mm. Really good coffee. And, yeah, it might not be as creamy and as good as some of the coffees that you might buy. But um, the revelation for me was using my cafetiere as a milk frother. Okay. Have you ever done that? No. That's going to change your life, that is. Well, it's not because this machine's got a milk frother. No, I know, I know that, but you can't bring that with and you I'm when you go camping. <laughs> yeah, but you can put oat milk Have in. Have you it. tried frothing oat milk? Well, my daughter doesn't drink right. cow's milk. Okay. And she uses soy or oat milk and in she it. She manages to get it to Absolutely. work. So we've tried it at home, and I'm just like, it's just not, it just no. doesn't work very well. So yeah. you basically use it like a plunger. You put, you put some, okay. you put some milk. Yeah. An inch and a half milk in your cafeteria. Heat it in the microwave, yeah. put the top on, and go up and down at it. And it'll froth <laughs> it right up, mate. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, and they sell things like it now called a milk frother. Anyway, yeah. I've got, I've got, I watched it online. Yeah. But I've got, I've got, I can't tell you how much I enjoy using that mocha pot at the weekend. I don't do it in the week because no. it's too long the process well, for it, me, yeah. right? Yeah. So 
I had a French press then, yeah. which I used to use all the yeah. time. But where I work at the moment, currently, the like the clearing out of it and washing it up is yeah. is, is tricky. Yeah. So um, so I bought. I didn't. Um, it's not a V60. It's a cone cup holder that oh, goes yeah. over the top of your cup. Yeah. Oh my days, mate! Does that make good coffee? Yeah. Makes absolutely superb coffee. And at the moment, I've got unbleached paper filters in it, which I throw away. Yeah. But um, the next stage will be just put metal filter in it. Right, uh, compost those, though. They take a while to break down. Absolutely, compost. yeah, and that's where they go. So I'm, I don't have an issue with that. It's just that it, it's a level of expenditure that I don't have to yeah. have, isn't it? Because yeah. I've got to buy the paper filters. Well, you know what we're going to have to do next, don't you? Cleavers. Because mm. cleavers seeds are supposed to make pretty decent coffee substitute. Mm. Have you tried it? I'm not sure I could go. I don't think I'll do it. We need to give it a go. It's not caffeinated, mate. Stick some Red Bull really well. selfish reasons. Little, little well, shot Red Bull in there. Acorn, dandelion roots, they all make good coffee, yeah. don't they? Ersatz is the old German yeah. word, isn't it? Oh, is Ersatz it? coffee, yeah. Okay, I, yeah. And I, of course I would give anything a go. Yeah. I would try anything, but I, 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 my nan used to drink chicory, camp oh, or whatever, no, and I hate it, so yeah, my worry yeah. is that it's all going to taste like that. Yeah, so cool. anyway, as you can see though, I like tea as well, but I can't grow that either. I no, can have herbal no. teas and all that jazz, yeah. but... So tea or coffee is always going to be something which I'm going to probably have to buy. Yeah. Um, but trying to remove that kind of level of um, machination or, you know, kind of expenditure, I suppose, because I know how expensive some coffee machines are, mate. Mine wasn't that bad, to be fair, but it was... Seven grand, someone. No, it was nothing just like that, no. Seven grand. I mean, that's a lot of coffee, isn't it? That's an industrial model, though. So okay. it's a beautiful thing. It makes is that, great is that, coffee. Is that for, like... Commercial use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Absolutely. but but I think I think the one they have domestically is about five grand, so I shouldn't worry about it. Um, oh. Where when I bring out my little plastic V60, yeah, yeah. and it was three fifty, yeah, three pound fifty yeah. on eBay. It makes great coffee. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> but it's about that level of contentment, isn't it? You know, well, if you're always the coffee you get out of it. Absolutely, what's it yeah. And, what's and, and 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 I suppose it was like when we were discussing the goat's milk, and you know, when 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 I get the goats at the farm and I've got the access to goat's milk, I'm not going to buy cow's milk just because that's what we always have. No. I'm going to have goat's milk because that's what yeah. I've got yeah. and make goat's cheese and hopefully yeah. butter and all that stuff, yeah. you know. Um, and so, yeah, it's just about trying to think about that as a kind of whole life goal, really, I suppose. Mm. So and that's something I've been really focusing on over the last few weeks. I've been reading a lot more, funnily enough. Okay. You know, How more... are you finding time for that? Well, because I don't do anything else in the evenings. Oh, I suppose not. No. You know, I'm really tired. I'm coming home from work, and then go, then going out and doing all the things yeah, you're doing in yeah, the I day. I know you yeah. are, mate. I know, I know you are, and, and I like, I like. I'm not doing as much walking and stuff like that, and getting out and about, but I'm because I'm tired at the moment. Yeah. But um, I'm reading quite a lot, and um, you know, doing doing other things like we're both in the band and stuff like that. And so yeah. you know, some of those real simple things, and just trying to find some more joy in those and sharing those with the family. So yeah, it's just just an interesting thing that I've been thinking about and. Every now and then I like to bring the whole flow of what we're doing back round to some of those really yeah. simple concepts because that's why I do it. That's yeah. where it comes from, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's like that. It's that, that, that. I suppose what it is, is you know when people say, yeah, wouldn't it be great to just go and escape and live in the woods? It would if you can live like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it wouldn't if you were looking for your lemons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd have to yeah. live with what you had. Yeah. Or what you'd yeah. got or what, you know, what you could barter or yeah, forage no, and stuff I'm like right. that. And, I remember having conversations with you around COVID time of actually really enjoying. I've got these ingredients. What am I going to make? It. I can't go to the shop. No. I'm not, and I'm in a, in a situation where I've literally got a shop. Yeah. Stones throw away yeah. from me. I can yeah. go and get it. It's a little co-op. Yeah. It's got everything you like. It's yeah. in there pretty much. 
if I need a lemon, I could go and buy just a lemon. Go and get right? one straight away. In yeah. COVID, I couldn't. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, well, what am I going to do with these ingredients? Yeah. And I really enjoyed that challenge, yeah, I did actually, as well. I have to say. And it does make you then start to rework your value system, doesn't it? So you think, right, where do I get the oil? Yeah. How do I get yeah. the oil? Can yeah. I grow it? Can yeah. I make it? Yeah. How much do I actually need it? Yeah. All of those kind of value statements start to come out. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting because what it tends to make me do is look backwards, back to the past. Yeah. You know, I realise now why my mum did cook in lard. Yeah. Because that's the oil that's available in the Western world. Well, the oil, well sunflowers don't grow in Ireland, mate. Uh-huh. And the import duty, and olive oil wasn't even, you know, a yeah, thing. Yeah, it was no medicinal. And so, surprisingly enough, most people ate pork in Ireland. So most people cooked and used so, lard. So isn't it interesting how we both solved the same problem in different ways? Because yeah. I've gone away from using olive oil, but yeah. it's, it's the, the cost of it has gone through the yeah. roof. Yeah. And I'll, I'll still buy really good oil for salad dressings. Right? Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll just take that hit. But for everyday cooking, I've gone over to British grown rapeseed yeah, oil. Yeah, rapeseed oil. Yeah. And funnily enough, when you watch programmes on TV, UK chefs are extolling the virtues of... UK grown. And they're now starting to talk about it as cold pressed, cold you know, pressed like, like extra virgin rapeseed oil, yeah. And because they understand the implications of import and export yeah. it and stuff like that. And, yeah. and, and that's kind of what we're talking about on a global level, isn't yeah. it? It's about going back to what we have and what is available. And they do grow sunflowers in our country now. Yeah. And obviously, rapeseed oil. And, and it's about using what you've got. And um, I like a good dressing on my salad, don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. but I could probably live with a rapeseed oil dressing. It's not too bad, I have to say. I prefer a really good olive oil. Yeah. But it, for, for a dressing, it'll, yeah. it'll do all Not right. that I can have lemons in it either, though. No, no, no. <laughs> but you can have cider vinegar. Cider vinegar. Which come on to. Uh, loads of herbs. Yeah. And then you're there, aren't or, you? Or make a raspberry vinegar or, you know, different flavour vinegars. You're away, aren't you? you know. So, I suppose, you know, to bring this little section to a close is... Is to you know it's so wonderful to see people online on our little community sharing the things that they've oh, got and they've done. Yeah. yeah, and and I suppose what I'm going to say is just keep going. You know, yeah, yeah. that's what it is. It's keep going with what you're doing and your little journeys and where you're at. And don't feel guilty if you have to go out and buy a pasty. Yeah, because I don't. No, and I get that hankering every now and then, like everyone does. Mate, and stuff I'm like going to eat a lot of pasties uh, in the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm going to Cornwall as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be living on I'm a of pasty off. <laughs> Um, and yeah so you know luxuries and things like that but but always have that in the back of your mind and I think that what it does is you know a lot of the people who are listening to this they're there already they do that the, yeah. the reason they listen is because they're interested in these things yeah. but even me someone who likes to think about it and does a podcast on it yeah. every now and then I have to just readdress my boundaries and, and reconfigure where I'm at and rebalance and think well hang on a minute you know and and maybe I could, you know, I can't do everything. I can't not have a car. I can't. I just can't at the moment. You know, I realise the damage that I'm doing by having a petrol vehicle and yeah. all that jazz. Um, so you do the things that you can do, don't yeah. you? And, and, and you readdress the things that you can do. We were talking about electric vehicles. And I, if I could, I'd go and buy an electric vehicle. Yeah. But I can't. It's beyond my financial capability at the moment. You know, without shadow of a doubt. But what it what it does what it does make me start to think of is do I actually need a car? Well, it, there, I think that's that's there's two separate issues there, aren't there? The, because the electric vehicles, I'm not yet 100 percent convinced no, that, they're, that they're that nor much better. No, nor am I. Well, nor you, you spend all this extra money, and particularly it brings back to then you're I'm taking talk about taking it back. 
you're then going back to, well, where's the electric coming from? Yeah, How are they yeah. producing that electric? Because yeah. they were talking about firing up the coal, coal yes, fire. Yeah, and the batteries um, and all of the recycling and where the precious metals are so, coming from. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, well, maybe just as a family, maybe if we had one big car. Yeah. I mean, and it's not beyond the realms of possibility no. for me to ride a moped to work. Now that I would pay to see. Well, you know, a small 50cc is going to be a lot less fuel. I want to see you on one like my great aunt used to have. A little step through one. A little step through one yeah. with the pedals to get it started. Oh, no, mate. I don't so we're talking about like, like early 1980s think, or something. I think you're more likely to see me on a horse. But uh, it's probably a bit far <coughs> where I work. Yeah. And, and during the winter would probably be more dangerous than anything. And also, you'd, how would you get your produce to and fro? What produce? Well, you're going to bring your vegetables back. You're going to yeah, bring them back. I do, or I do that daily, don't I? That's what I mean. Just have a tiny little box, to... mate. I've only got to do a day's worth, oh, haven't right. I? But I understand what you're saying. And, you know, at the moment, I think I can justify having a small car, a small vehicle. Yeah. While, while I've got children, actually, as well. Sometimes yeah. my wife can't get children to where they need to go, and I need to have the yeah. capability to do that. Yeah. But it might not be like that forever. No, might not need to no, be no. like that forever. It might need to be about geographically where we both work. Yeah. Can we make that so that. Perhaps we could have one vehicle. Yeah. I mean, I could actually get the bus to work from where I live, hmm. but I think it would be really expensive. Yeah, it's quite a long way to work from you, where you are still, isn't it? Well, it's not, really, not too not bad. As, no, not it's, too bad. Not as far as me, but it's not still a fair, yeah. fair way. So anyway, these are all little things that, you, you know, that have been in my mind when I've been thinking about little life. Hmm. So there you go. I think it's certainly an interesting concept and it's one that we kind of just keep coming back to and, it is, yeah. and it's nice to keep coming back to it and revisiting it and challenging ourselves. But I don't think that You've identified yourself. You're never going to be 100% self-sufficient. And I'm not sure that anybody listening to this will be able to be 100% self-sufficient unless they're doing exactly that mm. and they're only using the things they've got. You know, for me... I think what I could be is... I've got a lot of stuff now. I could yeah. be pretty self-sufficient for a while. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, but there'll come a time when, you know, something breaks and then I'll either try and fix it Mm. Buy one second hand, mm. trade it, find yeah. one for new mm. before I buy it. Yeah. yeah. And I think, oh, and the f- first question is, do I need it? Yeah, yeah. Do I, do yeah. I need it? Yeah. You know, reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That again, aren't we? Yeah. So um, there you go. That's a little life, mate. That's interesting. So let's get back onto our normal kind of thing because I feel like we haven't done much lately about what we've been up to. Mm. I don't know about you, but I have hardly stopped. I'm, I'm wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm like the Tin Man when I get up in the morning, mate. I have to kind of like. Like ease the joints out and like stretch well, myself up I think, slowly. I know? think it's important to let people know that here in the UK we've gone from having six weeks of drought to six weeks of mixed cloud and mm-hmm. drought. It's not raining a lot really. Not raining a great We're getting deal. one or two flash kind of like yeah. showers and then mm. they're very heavy, very you know, torrential maybe for mm. five or six minutes. But mm. you know, my water tanks are empty. Yeah. Um and it's been sort of warm. Mm. muggy it's not good for spuds I have to no, say not good for tomorrow's we've, um, we've dodged the worst of the heat that the rest of Europe seems to be suffering from yeah. which is but, a blessing in a sense but some of my things and some of that's because of the new soil that I've got and turned over things in my polytunnel are growing beautifully mm. where they're irrigated well good level yeah. of soil yeah. my new polytunnel's really struggled right. it's not the same level of organic matter went into that one mm-hmm. the third tunnel I've got better organic matter in it and that's nearly finished now that's yeah. going to have the front on by the end of the week and I'll be planting it literally yeah. on Friday yeah. you know all my brassicas which have been waiting they're going yeah. to go in there I'll fill it up in probably yeah. two days it'll be yeah. planted the whole lot yeah. the things that are outside in the virgin turned ground some of them are really struggling so my courgettes that are indoors are huge now, yeah. but my ones outside are static, they're stuck. I'll tell you what, what's, what I've found is that the ones, it was all about timing this season. Mm. The whole thing's timing. 
So if you got them in at the right time, they yeah. thrived. Yeah. And if you were just two weeks late, yeah. they're really struggling to get going now. Yeah. And so mine are sat outside. So my squashes are, they're, they're yeah. all alive. Yeah. But they're just sitting there. I've got them from the same sowing. So yeah. From the same date I sowed them. Yeah. Somewhere in the ground at just the right time. Yeah. And others were two weeks later or three weeks later it was. And the ones that went in at just the right time are yeah. great. Even though it's the same sowing, these other yeah. ones are really kind of a bit yeah. yellower. You know, you get, it's yeah, just yeah, a different know, exactly. kind of leaves. You can see it straight yeah. away from a mile off. What I do know, though, is that sometimes they just sit there and then they go. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that is yeah. what will happen, especially with the pumpkins and the squashes. And it's still quite early. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah. Um, but... Like I say, I'm harvesting things in the tunnel from the same sowings of courgettes. Yeah. You know, they're the size of the table, each yeah, plant. Yeah. Whereas the other ones are this big. Yeah, yeah, they're just little. Just, just yeah. In, uh, yeah. But the beans have finally kicked on. You know, they've really shot up the canes. Yeah. My um, spuds still look fine. My peas have germinated. But again, you know, without really good watering, yeah. they're going to really struggle outside. But um, my salad, which had got a bit fried in the tunnel, mm. I've done some successful germinations this month. Okay. And I've managed to do that by doing some in the shade and yeah. then planting them out. And they're all right, keeping them really well hydrated. Yeah. Beetroot's going well, though. Oh, I've had such a good year of beetroot. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? And then crazy. Last year, no one could grow any beetroot yeah. toffee, could they? No. It's bonkers. Um, but that's probably to do that early warmth, isn't it? Yeah. Warming everything up. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've got quite a good carrot crop. Uh, there's a lot of crops coming, but they're just on the edge. Yeah. So I've eaten my first tomatoes. Yeah. And out of all the tomatoes that I sowed and planted and all done, mm. It's the um, sun gold, which are the first yeah. to ripen, which is bizarre. I mean, they've literally ripened. Well, you're ahead of me, two mate. Weeks even ahead. though I sowed, I don't know how long before you. Yeah. Mine. They're in the tunnel. Even my ones in the greenhouse, yeah. although I was a bit late, later getting the ones in so the greenhouse. All the bottom trusses on my sun gold are set, and oh, they're yeah. yellow. They're eatable. Yeah. They're not yellow. They're deep orange. They're amazing. Yeah. And honestly, if you've never tried sun gold tomatoes. Yeah. Everyone says about our oh, the sweetest tomato. There they are. <laughs> there ain't no doubt about it. Yeah. It's, they're like fruit pastels, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that's a desirable trait in the tomato oh, for me, but man. I can imagine just eating them. So they're doing well, and the Garden Pearl, which I've grown an absolute stonking lot of yeah. those this year. I mean, it's pro- I've probably put too many in. I'm going to have so many tomatoes yeah. in about a month's time. Okay. I'm going to be inundated. Because the ones I've put in are the allotment. I, don't, I forget how many it is exactly now, but it's a lot. Um, they just set the green fruit like big, it's a really yeah, nice, nice big ones, green yeah. fruit everywhere. Yeah. So I've been tying in, I've been clearing down the, the lower leaves. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing a lot. Of I've that. been a lot more uh, proactive with my tomato growing this year. Yeah, and I'm on top of it at the moment. Yeah. I've, so I've single been, cordons with really good fruit yeah, trust setting, really, and yeah. they 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 took the hit though of me, you know, constantly taking out the side shoots. That did check them a bit. Mm. You know, um, but they seem to have got got to it, and some of them are really high now. You know, six foot, seven yeah. foot. Yeah. Um, but I've tried to keep on top of those because they ran away from me last year. Yeah. And I, and then I had the blossom end rot issues because there's probably too much food and not enough yeah. ventilation, and the watering became really tricky. Mm. So I've been really on top of it this year, and um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, they're just growing in organic matter, you know, mixed with. So, topsoil, so yeah. just manure and topsoil. Nice. That's all. That's, that's all they're in. Yeah, good job. Whereas outside, with the pumpkins and the squashes, I gave them all a handful of organic chicken manure okay. because they were struggling. Yeah, and they are in the worst soil I've got on the farm. Like literally, just turned. It had been rotivated with manure in it, but I mean, it's just clay. It's just clay. So um, anyway, and the water. I'm having the opposite problem. I think, and the new plot, it's dusty. Right, it's okay. Just chalk. 
Yeah. Nothing there. But it's funny, isn't it? It's the same process as to add organic matter. It's the yeah. same thing you do, isn't it? Yeah. So for heavy clay or for yeah. dry, dusty, dry yeah. dusty chalky. Yeah. So um, let's see what comes about. But I've been doing a lot of that. I've been doing some beekeeping, just checking, looking okay. through. I haven't been able to get Only out of the for a while now. So they're okay. Well, we're moving some colonies tonight. That's yeah. what we're going to do. Um, so I've been doing a bit of that. I've been building infrastructure, putting in automated watering systems, yeah. pipe work, drip line irrigation. That's all been going on. Quite a lot of that. Um, I've done a whole nother raft of sowings this week. Yeah. Some of which, because you're getting near the end now for some things. Well, in I've, the UK. Yeah, because I've, I've been looking at it. Cause for me, I've been clearing out things, right? So, and obviously I've got very limited space. So my sugar sap peas are done. So they come out. My broad beans are done. They've come out. So I've now same. got a couple of empty beds. Yeah. And I'm looking at it going, well, I've got some leaks that need moving. But once yeah. the leaks have been moved, there'll be a space where the leaks were. Yeah. So I'm just kind of moving things around. So I've sown some bits and pieces. I've yeah. sown some swede. But they've, they've got stuck as well. Right, okay. So I did some sowings, I don't know how long it was ago now. A couple I'd of say you can sow swede right up to the middle of a, um, August, yeah. right? They won't get that big, but you just get them later on. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I've done some swede as well, but I've plug sowed mine. Because I don't have any luck doing them in situ. Well, I've done the same, and I, I, I mostly do that, don't I? Apart from carrots, pretty much. Everything else is not the yeah. same these days. Yeah. Um, and then I'll either plant them all out together, or I'll just pick, pinch yeah. out the, the weaker ones and just leave yeah. the strongest. I haven't put my leaks in yet, but yeah, I've, right. I've rotated the ground for them yeah. today. So that mine are in, and they're, like, they're good size already, but they just need... Oh, yeah. They were multi-sown. So yeah, mine just look like grass. Well, right, okay. I think they're probably too hot. Yeah. Yeah, but they um, went in a bit late. But it's just that, and I think I, if you caught the end of that heat, mm. and then when it when it rained at the beginning of June, yeah, I think no, beginning of July. So yeah, that hot June was the hottest June on record. Yeah. And it was hot and sunny the whole month, well into twenty degrees, and then we had the rain at the beginning of July. And I think if you just got it in just before that, they've just kicked on mm. and it's been great. Mm. But if you've just got the wrong side of that, or too early or too late, it's been hard this really, season. Really yeah. hard growing this season. So my big disappointment is all my wheat has got eaten by geese. All of it? Whole lot. As soon as it was just turning golden, they just absolutely like mowed the whole lot down in about like three Canadian days. Canadian geese or? <coughs> Greylag geese. Right, okay. So then they're wild. Yeah. Um, and earlier on in the season, there was uh, a pair that had nested there with, and they had three chicks. And then yeah. they, I didn't see them for a little while. And um, between them... The resident guinea fowl and yeah. a couple of pheasants they, yeah. in in two days, mate, mowed the whole lot. Um, unbelievable, gutted I was. Absolutely. What's even worse is that one field over there is a farmer who's probably got about two hundred acres of corn sitting there, and they didn't touch his. Yours must be the best day. <laughs> so ne- neck height, mate. I reckon. Yeah, just we could just go high, along, yeah, go yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's just how it is. I was absolutely gutted for it. You know, we've bought a bird scarer now, which frightens the absolute life out of me when it goes off. It's yeah. such a loud thing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like it very much. Yeah. And it's a bit, you know, horses bolted. But, yeah. um, but I'll have to rethink about how to do that next year. Um, it, all jokes aside, I did grow a variety of wheat which has got short neck. Hmm. So it doesn't grow very high so yeah. that it doesn't get blown over. Yeah. It's easier to hand harvest. Hmm. And maybe it was easier for them to eat. But I'm pretty sure the pigeons would have eaten it anyway. But the whole strip, which is four metres by 40 metres, yeah. is just... This, this, the um, stalks are still there. They're perfect. Yeah. And they've just straw, then. literally taken that whole ear off the top. So, 
I think there's probably a few left I could get a handful. But it's not ripe yet, so you know it's not, not no good to me. So I will think about it and maybe work out how I could do it, but it's it's pretty tricky to net a 40 by 4 metre row, and I'm not sure it would be effective anyway. I'm not quite sure how. And it seems a bit counterproductive, you know? Well, it seems a bit pointless to me. Yeah, the cost yeah. of the... Cost of the netting will be far more than the cost of the weather. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 there must be ways around it as well, you know, because obviously people have been growing corn for. They used to have a little boy standing out there, didn't they? With, yeah. a, with a thing made of a loud noise. That's what you need. Well, I'm going to make a scarecrow actually. All right. Yeah. I'm going to dress it up as me. That keep anything away. Mate, I would like to see that scarecrow. <laughs> that is going to, you're going to need some straw for that, mate. Well, I've got straw, funnily <laughs> enough. <laughs> a Forty by four meter row of it. Not sure that'd be enough to do one like you, eh? Alan. <laughs> it's, nice, isn't it? it's nice to hear Alan comforting me in my my time of loss. <laughs> and now I was gonna make him a nice loaf of bread out. Mate, I am I am gutted I was really I'm really looking forward to trying it. But um all it does is you know, peaks my resolve to do it better next year and yeah. plant more and and right, I really want to try to spell, I really want to get the wheat and I really want to get the oats down. Yeah. Right? Uh, ultimately, that's the solution. You said it yourself. The farmer next door has got 200 acres. Absolutely. He can't lose 200 acres worth, can he? There's no, not enough gigs. Absolutely, no. Right? So, and, that, and that's part of the solution, isn't it? Growing enough that if they do come through, yeah, and, and, you and, can afford 10% loss. And, 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 right. and having some scarers and some scarecrows and whatever it is and looking mm. at ways in which to try and protect your crop and stuff yeah. like that. And, um, so yeah I'll be doing some more research on that and trying to get that right for next year and yeah. it's just tricky because it was really nearly close but yeah. of course that's what happens isn't it as soon as your cherries are ripe yeah. everything eats them as soon as yeah. your yeah. plums are nearly there something comes out and has them so I suppose I'd thought I didn't, I didn't even clock that the geese would eat it if I'm being honest well no but, but live and learn what I should have done is shot the goose well it did cross that. my mind it was a problem but that solved itself they do yeah. mate for life geese so I feel a bit bad shoot both well, there's five of them. I have the kids and all kind of <laughs> Foie gras. Oh, dear. Hey? No, oh, no, no. Can't have bread in our little life because we haven't got any flour, but no. you can have goose every night. Yes. Well fed fat gigs. So anyway, yeah. So that, that's been one of the things that's been going on. Um, like I say, I've been preparing soil for the so brassica crop. Can I just take you back? Because you said you did a big sign. I think it's something that people are interested in. Mm. What have you sown? So I've been sowing a lot of salad now to try and keep up with the demand because I know that that's going to be something that comes in. My early potatoes are out, so I've re-sown that with carrots. Yep. So I've got quite a lot of carrots in today. I've sown second crops of beetroot. Um, I've sown lots of peas to backfill any gaps that are yep. in my rows. I've re-sown and planted mange too. I've done swede. I've done uh, collard greens. They've, they've so are these for today. outdoors or for in the tunnels? No, they're, they're, for, they're for a mixture of both. Right, so right. most of them will go in the tunnels. Yeah. So all the brassicas are indoor. I don't grow Yeah, they've got to be covered. Yeah, yeah, mad to grow but, um, um, but the beetroot are outside. I've got leeks, obviously. They're going to get planted out. I've my All of the outside area is sown now and yeah. cropping. So right. it's not all cropping, but it will not far off. It's first beans will get big next week. Well, I, think, I think what's interesting, a lot of the stuff you've said there, I know certainly at least the varieties that I've got at home, will tell you that you shouldn't be sowing them into July, you should have stopped in June. And yet you're sowing them now. What do you mean, then? wait until later on? No, what? no, as in as in, you should sow them from March to June. Oh, okay, you see what you're saying. But I've it. got an extended growing season because I'm, I'm growing some of it indoors. Yep. So the beetroots, I'd sow beetroots all this month and next well, month. July, you can get varieties of beetroot that you can sow in July, no problem. 
But I'm thinking more about like the Monge too, yeah. which I think the variety I, that we normally use, the Oregon yeah. Sugar Snack, would say till May actually, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, probably. And but yet I'll, you're so in. I'll definitely get a crop up on that. Yeah, definitely get a crop up on yeah. that. And if not, I'll eat the, yeah. I'll eat the shoots. Eat the shoots, yeah. yeah. So they'll be fine. Uh, onward peas you can sow right up until the end of Ju- July or August. I've sown some peas and I'll be yeah. sowing some more this week. And there was one called... Oh, what is the name of that pea? So there's a really early pea that I sowed and we didn't even stake it, we just had it off the yeah. floor. Yeah. Provence du Sal, is that the name of it? Provence du Sal. Um, and that made loads of really good pea pods right. and they they weren't even supported. They were yeah. dwarf varieties, so they probably grew about, I don't know, a foot. So I'm going to try putting peas in where my monge two were. Yeah. For the rest That'd of the season. That'd be absolutely fine, yeah. I've, I've sown there, only like an inch up out of the ground, but I'll do, put those in and then I'll sow those all around them and yeah. I'll just stake it as they come yeah, up. Yeah, that, that'd be absolutely fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I've done some of those. I've started to do some winter um, salads and just to see what happens. Yeah. I've done a load of spring onions and have a whole, oh, yeah. you know, thousands, yeah. thousands and thousands of spring onions. That's just because um, the spring onions that I sowed very early in the year, I'd say they're all about the size of a ping pong ball. My main crop are the same. I sowed from seed this year for the yeah. first time. Mate, and they look great. So we're using them now almost as an onion. Okay, so mine are... So they're scallions, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're what they like big... You know, like the big round, and they yeah. sell you like five in a bunch for two quid or something yeah. in the supermarket. Lovely, aren't they? Something clever. They're delicious, though, Just, aren't they? Yeah, they're really good. I'm, yeah. I'm not eating them, right? Because yeah. I'm trying to wait for them to get bigger. Right, and see if they I know that my really crop big. will be late, and I'm looking yeah. at like... Well, we, so, we sowed so many of those... They'd like an eighth, really an eighth of a tunnel of those yeah. was in. Yeah, because we knew we'd, we'd use them and sell them. And, yeah, of course, yeah. And um, the, you know, we haven't got any winter onions left, obviously. I'm debating on whether to sow overwintering onions or whether it's just not worth it. Yeah. Uh, but I probably will do a, a load, just yeah. because um, I, I've, I can tell I haven't done enough onions this year. Um, I should have done a lot more. But I literally bought about 10 packs and sowed them all. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of onions, yeah. but I just don't think, with regards to the shop and how much of a staple they are, I don't think we'll be able to. Well, if you think, I mean, I reckon I could probably use a kilo of onions a week. Yeah, same as me. Easy. So. so I think that next year it'll have to be sort of fourfold what I've grown yeah. onion wise. I've multi sown mine and done shallots, and I've got set as well. Yeah. So, but as seemingly happens quite a lot now, I seed onions are better than my set onions. I, I, I sowed seed onions as multi sown early in the season and they're still really small. Yeah, but they do that. But they'll, I'm hoping that over the next month they'll just go... They just do this weird thing where they just suddenly just go... Yeah. Like yeah. that. And they get so, huge. But the, with onions, more than most crops, um, I think you need to really weed them really well. Yeah. And what was very odd though is that we tried... Um, I had a bed of garlic which I think I might have put a picture up of, I can't remember. I had a bit of garlic in one of the tunnels and um, because it because the irrigation system is so good, mm. there was a lot of weeds in and around those. Yeah. And it got to a stage where some of the onions had started to yellow and go over and it was yeah. actually quite difficult to weed them out without yeah. damaging them. Yeah. So we left them and they got pretty badly overrun. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I'd say, you know, some of the weeds around them were a good foot high. Yeah. Um, and I thought it might impact those garlic. They yeah. are massive. Oh, really? They're the biggest garlic I've ever grown. Yeah. So much so that when we harvested them, I was chatting to the chap who, I, who owns the place where I'm working, and I was saying, you know, I know that we talk about weeding and competition, but I'm sure that we don't understand all of it. And I'm sure that actually there are other ways which you could grow organically where 
companion planting and all of this Absolutely. kind of stuff. Yeah, there, yeah. There, there's something going on here that we don't yeah. know because honestly, mate, these garlic were well, gigantic. We, we know ourselves that plants tend to grow better next to other plants. Mm. And so this notion of monoculture, mm. which has come about largely in the last 250 years or so because of the need for commercial farming, mm. rather than because of anything that anyone ever did before. It's all about ease, isn't it? It's about how the machinery works. You've said yourself before about the peas. Yeah. The reason that commercial peas are only four or yeah, five yeah, is because yeah. of the machinery yeah. they use. Yeah. It's not got anything to do with what's the best pea to grow. No, absolutely What's the not. tastiest pea no. or what's the prettiest pea or whatever it is. It's about what's most convenient. Yeah. And a lot of it's about that, isn't it? It's more convenient to grow a nice straight line. It looks nice. It's easier to look after. It does look nicer. But, I, you know, literally I was I picked this... Because, you know, when you when you dig anything up from the ground, you're always like, oh, I wonder how big it's going to be then. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, there was literally a head of garlic growing next to an enormous dock. And, yeah. I, and I mean, it yeah. was touching it. Yeah. And I thought, that's going to be a small one. Yeah. And it was massive. Yeah. Um, and look, they had good warmth, shelter, yeah. growing conditions. We also trimmed those. Uh, one of the people who I work with yeah. said she'd seen something about trying to trim the dock, okay. the, the leaves of the yeah. garlic. And she just read that that worked. So yeah. we, we tried it. Yeah. You know, we just gave it a go. And they are considerably bigger than the ones okay. we didn't. Um, mine, mine are, again, pathetic. But, but the ones impressed. that were pot-bound, because yeah. I had some, because I, I wanted to plant all my garlic outside. Yeah. I didn't have enough um, ground outside. It was still waterlogged. So I put some inside, mm. and then I kept some in pots. And they were in pots probably a month longer. And then I put them in the other tunnel. Yeah. And they, they were tiny. Right. You know? Size of ping pong ball. Right, yeah. Like you know when you grow garlic, it always comes out like that, doesn't it? Mine always does. I've never, yeah. I've never grown. Very occasionally, you get a good one. But yeah. Mostly they're too small the, to bother. The with difference between the the two because one got pot bound and didn't have enough yeah. nutrient, yeah. and they all put most of those put up scapes. Yeah. And we just dug them when they died over, and they're they're fine. They, they mm. taste fine. They're small yeah. for cooking. You'll yeah. just cut them in half, put the whole head in. Yeah. yeah. And it is what it is. Yeah. But these other ones are like beautiful, and I mean massive, mm. big hand like that. Yeah. Some of them have even got that double row going oh, on yeah. where you oh, get one yeah. lot inside and then another yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. But I'm kind of thinking with the cost of garlic, I might keep quite a few back. <laughs> I would. Seed, yeah. But I know that I could sell them all. Yeah. So there's that whole seven quid for two heads, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, to buy them for seed, yeah, nightmare. Seven quid for two heads. So anyway, I don't know. I think uh, I, I think garlic we could never grow enough of it. So I think I think we could literally do the whole tunnel to garlic and sell it. Yeah. You know, and go monoculture ourselves and be garlic growers. Yeah. You know, Sussex garlic or whatever you want to call it. I yeah. Think it'd sell really well. Easily do that. Yeah. But that's not where we're at at the moment. Yeah. But you could easily do that, couldn't you? But, so um, I've, I've been. Um, like, I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago. Remember this last one or the week one before. Such that I'd sown my early salads, mm. and I'd then been into planting and into sowing. Mm. Um, dwarf beans, right? Well, those salads are all out now, and the dwarf beans are just dwarf coming. beans are up. So yeah. guess what I'm doing? Right. Into planting salad in between the beans. Yeah, yeah, having another go. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Well, I do That's love. I do love that things are starting to come now, and you can just go and have a whole dinner, can't you? Yeah. And you know, going yeah. back to simple life is. I'm a know. bit short of spuds still at the minute. I just couldn't grow enough spuds on the space. Uh, Earlies. I only grew main crop. Oh, okay. Well, they're not ready yet, are they? No, they're not, no. But because what happened was I did, I had the new plot, didn't I? I wanted mm. to put some on there. And by the time it was all dug, it was quite late. Mm. But obviously with the spring we had anyway, it was so cold for so long, wasn't no, it? No, grass buds went in really late. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Like two months later. Yeah. They went in like, so, like the beginning of May. I think mine went in a bit later than yours. And they're, I mean, they're coming up. They're yeah. looking all right. But they're, again, they're like a lot of the other things. They're not looking 
particularly healthy. They'll be all right. But they'll be all right. The we're digging, we're eating um, early's now, and they're lovely, really nice. Um, and, you know, again, that governs what we're eating and how we're eating and stuff like that. And I've, I've, I've seen that you can, you can actually grow most things in a polytunnel, can't you? I have to say, but it's about the use of space. Yeah. Um, it would be easy to just fill it with all sorts of things. Well, so much so that I was looking at what you're doing and going, I want some of that in this mm-hmm. new plot that I've got. I'm just going to put a big polytunnel up. Won't let me do it, of course, mm-hmm. but. If they ever change the rules on that, that's what I'll do. I'll put a, a, a run of polytunnel from one side of the plot to the other. Oh, I'll tell you what, be nice. Imagine how much can I fit in there? Like I'd be laughing, wouldn't I? So you could easily live on a polytunnel. Yeah. I mean, and so. Yeah. You could probably keep your chickens in there and all. Yeah. If I'm being totally honest, yeah. you'd have to have it ventilated. Obviously. Yeah. No, it's it's. But anyway, it's been really good. It's been a good season so far in the sense that there's lots of nice crop, and I haven't bought any salad leaves yet this year. It's really cool. Not since I started getting them. Mm. I bought one in, which is really nice. Some well, funny enough, that's the work. I've got, at home, I've got a whole bed empty now. Mm. And I've noticed that the fertility in that top bed has gone down. So I'm actually going to clear the last lettuce that's in there now. Yeah. I'm going to put some manure in it, turn it all in, give it a, maybe a couple of weeks. And then I'm going to re-go in there and try and do some autumnal kind of stuff, which yeah. then might go into the winter. So yeah. I might just put some chard on one half. Yeah. And then I'm trying to think of what to put on the other half. I don't know yet. But it's that bed that doesn't get a lot of light. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? You don't get much light. Well, I might just... I could sow spring onions over all of it for next spring, yeah. literally. Um, and they would probably be okay. It gets damp up in that corner, you know, because it doesn't have any light over the winter at all. So, you know, by the end of September, that bed will be back in the shade. Yeah. Um, so it's either like grow stuff and then something that will just stay there. Um, so I'm, I'm just debating what to put in there, but I've got a concept about about that, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. We'll right. go on to a couple of different sections. Okay. All right. <laughs> Shall we do that now? Yes. Getting time's getting on, and we'll we'll oh, some other bits we want to cover, haven't we? So let's do that now. Yeah. And we're back. So we, we were talking about just continuing our self-sufficiency kind yeah. of kick we've been doing this year, weren't we? Yeah. And uh, obviously, when we when we think about what we're going to talk about for the for the podcast, we were like, well, what should, what should we talk about? You know, yeah. we've got a, f- a fair list of ideas that we already had. Absolutely. And you settled on a couple. You, you and we chose one in the end, didn't we? So do you want to? Well, no, we chose two, didn't we? Which one? We're going to try and do, do both. Well, we? Can do, yeah. Uh-huh. I don't uh-huh. think the fruit one's going to take very long. Well, let's do the fruit one quickly. So on. we want to talk about being self-sufficient in, and fruit and. Um, and that kind of goes back to what we were discussing earlier in that um, you kindly gave me some strawberries last year. Mm-hmm. And because I don't have the pressure of growing all of my food at home anymore, yeah. I dedicated a whole bed to those. Yeah. And, mate, they have been superb yeah. this year. Yeah. Hardly any last year. Yeah. So much so I was kind of in two minds. Do I keep them? Is it a waste of space? What yeah. You know what? Yeah. This year, so many strawberries. And they have been superb. Set Mine's been the runners. They just have this cycle, seemingly, the strawberry plants. Yeah. About three, four years, is it? I think it's about three years. After three years, they would normally... But you can take runners off three-year-old plants, huh? Yeah, and I, and I will be doing. But I've, I had a really amazing year last year. Yeah. And then this year, not so much. And some of the strawberries I've got on the new plot, I'm not happy with the quality of the fruit so okay. I'm just going to get rid of them yeah yeah absolutely and I shall replace them but. well at the farm I've yeah. planted strawberries this year yeah no fruit yeah a million runners yeah so what I will probably do I've been loath to do it because I know how much I'm going to have to water it if I do it hmm. but really I could be making holes in my 
because they're planted in fruit yeah. plastic. And I could take runners, and they've done, you know, literally four each. Yeah. And I could turn that one bed. I could probably get a threefold increase. You definitely in need to do that if you've yeah. got time. So um, that's a job, but but it's about irrigating it. Mm. Because if I put those into the soil, which is that heavy clay, yeah. I'll probably have to water it every day. Mm-hmm. And I probably haven't got time to water it every day. Oh, okay. So it's about getting that balance right or mm. looking at when looking at when the weather is good enough so that I'm going to get a bit of a hand. You'd be tempted it. to put them in pots. I know it's a compost cost then, but... But, but they've got to be by the parent plant for a while. Yeah, yeah. I've got to water them. Yeah, yeah. And it's about the watering. Yeah. I'd rather put them through the Mypex. Yeah. And then... That's where they end up anyway, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I've got some automated watering going in. So it should probably be something we could do. But we could double the amount of strawberries overnight for free. So... Um, but at home, I've had a really good return off those strawberries that mm. you gave me. So what, probably about 30 plants? Probably about 30, yeah, probably about, that, about yeah. 30 35 yeah. plants. They set runners, yeah. which I've planted as well. So yeah. I'd say that there's, and I lost a few, so there's probably about 35. What variety were they, can you remember? S- El Santa, is El it? Santa. Yeah, really, yeah, they're really good strawberries. Right, just, yeah. And not all at once, yeah. kind of like a continuous yeah. cropping. There's still some on there now, loads yeah. of them there. You get about a month, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and going back to what we are talking about, I feel like I've had my fill of strawberries now. Okay. I don't want any more strawberries, yeah. really. Yeah. You know, I think that we could have made jam. I've lo- I lost some because I didn't yeah. pick them for ten days, yeah. and then I went in there. I was I was annoyed with myself because yeah. there was like oh, I should have got these. And I'd have had a, over, I'd yeah. have had another load. Yeah. So I think I, I didn't measure how many how much we picked. I'm not saying that we would have made enough jam for the year, mm. but I'd probably made enough strawberry jam for the year. Yeah. You know, yeah. Maybe eight or nine jars, yeah. and then mixed with other jams, that would have been okay. Yeah. But what it brought home was that I don't need to grow um, vegetables at home really anymore because no. of what I do at work. Yeah. But we don't grow a lot of fruit at work. It's yeah. something which will develop, mm. but it's always been about vegetables. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of led me to think, well, you know, I still like to grow things at home, so maybe I'll go to over all to fruit at home. Okay. And then that got me into my, well, I wonder if I could be self-sufficient in fruit at home. And so, you know, I've got a, a very small greenhouse. Yeah. And I've got these three beds out the front. And then I've got some really big pots at home, which have been overgrown this year. They, yeah. You know, I haven't done hardly anything with them. And so I'm starting to see a plan emerging about trying to um, have a dedicated strawberry bed like I've got. Mm-hmm. I could easily put currants in one. And yeah. I would have more currants than I could probably, well, you know, I'm, not dissimilar to what we used to have. I here. reckon half a, half a dozen black currants, and you've got enough black currants for the year. Done. You have done, yeah. right? So there's two of the yeah. free beds, and I've got one more left. And I'm not quite sure what to do with that yet. Okay. I'm having an idea, and that's the one that goes into shade. So again, I'm not sure mm. I'm going to get a lot of fruit out no. of it. I know that, funnily enough, raspberries, uh, funny enough, um, strawberries don't mind shade. They're naturally a woodland plant, aren't mm. they? Yeah. But I might have to have a think about what went in there. You know, if I could actually grow any fruit in there, or or when does just the sun keep get back it, on it in the spring. Late May, early May. It's not. It, it's in because it's north facing and it's the closest one to the house. Yeah. And so it's the shadow of the house. So I tend to grow salads in it. Yeah. Because they they actually they appreciate yeah. a bit yeah. of shade. I have successfully grown spring onions in there as well. And I've grown parsley in there very well, you know, some herbs. Yeah. And you'd think, wouldn't you? But actually, you'd probably stop some bolting. Yeah, so yeah, I could probably yeah. put coriander in there. Yeah. So I might have to bite the bullet on that. But I've got some ideas about that. So I'm, there's nothing to stop you putting one of each in there and see how they do. Mm. Or a few, yeah. a few strawberry plants, a currant, or whatever, yeah. see how they do. Or I might put two rhubarb in it out. Well, the rhubarb would love it. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and love it. it won't mind the shade. No. 
and then you love the dampness, and then it will kick on in the summer, yeah, and put on the leaf. So, yeah. and you could get two in there, yeah. And then I thought, well, that actually makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Two really good rhubarb, loads don't of black buying your rhubarb. Oh no, I've side. got so much. Have you got some? I've got this, this new plot. I don't know what the fella that had it before me was doing, but I reckon he must have lived on rhubarb. Rhubarb wine, mate. He was a brewer. Ah, I'll tell you exactly what it was. Come on, that. I'll definitely have two from you then. Yeah, but just on rhubarb, um. Because of the clay soil, I lost all my rhubarb I planted last too, year. Too wet, see? It flooded out, and it was dreadful, wasn't it? Yeah. And do you know, I sowed rhubarb from seed this year. Yeah. And it's been really successful. Oh, wow. So nice. I've got 20 to go in. Glaskins wow. perpetual. So I've got a big old clump of it. I'm just going to... I don't need anything, because I've got two rhubarb plants oh, in my okay. garden. Yeah. And they, they look absolutely fantastic in my... They're like gunners, aren't they? They're beautiful in my ornamental borders. They're so good. And then you have to eat them. <laughs> well, what I do is as the as the, they get big, I go and pull a couple of stems yeah, that's out, and that's it. That's all I need to do, and it just keeps it maintains it to look great. So I thought two rhubarb, hmm. a strawberry bed, yeah, and then down at the bottom is like the best one because it's yeah. one that's in the sun all the time. Yeah, so probably the currants in there. Yeah, right, and that those beds are probably about. I'm trying to think exactly what they are, but they're they're roughly two meters by one meter. Okay, so I reckon you could get all 12 of your current bushes in there. Yeah. Six black current, six red current, done. Yeah, I'm not that worried about red current, mate. All right. I'll just have all black current because right. I'll make jam out of it and yeah. jelly and what. So there's that, that. Yeah. that's done, right? And then I, and when I'm talking pots, I'm, I'm trying to think of how big they are. I've got two pots, which I don't know where they came from. I think someone gave them to They're about two foot across at the top, aren't they? Wait, I think they're a bit bigger than that. Are they? Yeah, they're oh, okay. like you could, get a, you could have a paddle in there. Oh, really? You get in reckon, do you reckon you could see They were for trees, I reckon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. huge, yeah. yeah. So I know that I could get a tree in those, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, what I would really like to do is I would like to get, because my mum my mom and dad have got a, Dwarf plum tree. Yeah. It's on a very small root sort there. Absolutely covered every year in fruit. Yeah. So I thought maybe if I could get three or four small fruit trees going, yeah. I could do that. And there is nothing. And I have got a full size plum tree in my garden. Yeah. I think I was in one of those frames of mind where, well, if I'm having a tree, I'm having a tree. Yeah. And it's nearly as big as a house. Right. And it never has any plums on it because it's, it's not old enough yet. I think yeah. I bought literally a full on, full standard the height of whatever it gets to. So eventually it will make loads. Yeah. But it, I might have to bite the bullet and it, I'll be really reluctant to because it's, it's growing lovely. Yeah. But it will cast shade over the whole garden probably. Make mate. good firewood, don't make it. Mate, I'll tell you what, it's not that big. And I think that knowing what I've had previously in there, I used to have a Bramley tree there and it was yeah. brilliant, but when we redesigned the garden. So I've gorilla planted four fruit trees out the back though. So I've got yeah. apples growing in the back. Yeah. I like plums or yeah. green gauges. So I'd like to do that. And then I don't feel the need to plant blackberries because of where I live. No, that's pointless. I don't need to get crab apples because of where I live. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of how else to be fruit sufficient. Well, I think being, we... being self-sufficient in fruit, there's two different parts to this. There's the fruit bowl, yeah. which I think, I don't know if this is a thing across the world, but it mm. certainly is in the UK where you have a bowl of fruit on the side, yeah. don't you? All yeah, right? Absolutely. And ours is in our kitchen. And in that, pretty much all year round, you'll find some apples. Oranges. You might find an orange bananas. or a satsuma or something similar yeah. to that. Maybe some bananas, some grapes. Yeah. And then, depending on what's in season, I might yeah. buy some other bits, right? So there's that bit. I've just had a thought. Go on. You know in my hotbed? Yeah. I could put blueberries in there. Oh, yeah. 
Because they like heat, don't they? Yeah. But they, would they grow well in a pot? They, they need alkaline soils. I know that, yeah. yeah. No, that's all right. I'll just buy herbaceous compost, yeah. mate, or make it. I've got two blueberries at home that I'm going to put them in the ground at the allotment when I get around to Yeah. Them. Everything eats them is the only thing. Yeah. Birds love them, don't they? I'm thinking about putting some, coming to you for some more chestnut poles and putting yeah. some massive fruit cages up. Yeah, yeah, do that. And then eventually just covering them in plastic. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I might, I could do, I could do those in pots. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about the berry yeah. concept. All right. So there's, there's this, this fresh fruit thing, right? Which mm. is one thing which I think has to be seasonal if you're going to try and be self-sufficient. So it's what's in season or what can I store yeah. to eat in fresh later on. And then there's this other issue of like, I can make jams, I can yeah. make jellies, I can freeze. Yeah, and a lot of, a lot of fruit that we eat, you know, if you're having a, if you're having a overnight oats or something like that, frozen fruit's totally adequate. Frozen yep. strawberries, frozen yep. blueberries yep. and what yep. have you, currants, you can just put them in, can't you? Yeah. So it's well, you can fresh. pull them out and turn them into a, you know, a lot of compote or a fresh jam or something yeah. you know, simple like that, fridge, freezer jam, that kind of thing. Now, obviously, the just... thing I'm going to miss is the citrus, right? Because yep. I, that, that's my favourite fruit group, really. Mm-hmm. And I've never grown a citrus tree. I don't know how big they get, I don't know what size, you know, when I go into the garden centre and I see like a little lemon tree and it's got mm. three lemons on it and it's like 900 quid or something, mm. but they're not very big, are they either? And I think they, they can be reasonable size here and I think they can grow, you know, obviously in my experience of it, it's limited, but it's certainly possible to grow citrus in this country. Mm. It, I wouldn't say it's necessarily possible to be self-sufficient in citrus. Yeah. But you could certainly grow some lemons for when lemons are in season yeah, very yeah, easily. Yeah. The only problem you would need is some sort of frost-free space to store. Yeah, they've got to go inside, haven't they? Yeah. And I have got a... Plastic powerhouse. Plastic powerhouse that doesn't really... I don't put loads in it anymore no. in the winter. No. So two big lemon trees in pots that I could just put in there. That might work, yeah. mightn't it? And, you know, for their decorative um, aspect mm. as well. So I'm thinking about that. And I'm thinking about maybe trying to find a decent British grape. Okay. Because I've got a wall or a trellis, yeah. uh, you know, I've got a fence basically, yeah. which I could probably grow it along it yeah. outside. So dessert grape, presumably you're thinking? Yeah, I think I'll probably so yeah. seedless, aren't you? But they, but, but, they, but they exist, I know they yeah, exist. Yeah. Well, I've, I grow Phoenix, which is a kind of a mixture, but it's not seedless. Mm. So I don't mind if it's got seeds in it. You can eat them, they're really tasty to eat them fresh. I, I put that one in because I thought we'll eat some and we'll make the rest into mm. wine. And I've made some lovely wine with it yeah. as well in the time. Um, it's been moved around a bit lately. I'm hopefully it's settled now and it's mm. the final position. But one vine has been more than enough for us. Yeah. So I thought years. maybe a grape isn't, you know, it probably could be done, couldn't it? Well, I'm, I'm looking at that and I've got... So I've moved my apple tree and my grapevine to this yeah. new plot. And I want to put a kiwi in there and a plum, I yeah. think. Yeah. And that will give me then a bit of variety of yeah. fresh fruit. Yeah. Um, and I don't actually eat a lot of fresh fruit in the winter. No? No. I don't. I really like an apple. But and you I can eat an eat, apple in the winter. And I can't eat apples. No. Straight off. No. But, um, you know, obviously I've tr- trouble eating some things because mm. um, of allergy, but mm. um, I can eat everything cooked. But I'd rather have my apples in liquid form anyway. <laughs> so in terms of being... <laughs> I want to come on to that. In terms of being self-sufficient in fruit, I think the fruit bowl have got, kind of got to be seasonal. And the rest of it is provided you grow enough and you've got super ways to preserve it, mm. then you can have pretty much whatever fruit you want all year round. Mm. But it's going to come out of the freezer or yeah. out of a jam or a preserved in some sort of preservation like issue yeah. or bottled or in alcohol. But going back to talking you know, about seasonal eating and things like that, mm. let's be honest about this country, mm. you know, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, mm. what, what, what would have been available? The import, the import of citrus fruits 
was massive, wasn't it? Yeah. And obviously, you know, um, more exotic fruits have come on board since then. Mm. But you're talking about rose hips, apples, yeah. pears, yeah. blackberries. I mean, blueberries weren't a thing here, were they? No, but you, you'll, find, you'll find the wild raspberries, that kind of thing. Raspberries, strawberries to a certain extent, yeah. I would imagine. Mm. That's, what, that's what people consumed for that vitamin fruit hit, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and so it's about replicating that in a way and mm. being content with that, going back mm. to little life, yeah. but, but stretching it as far as you can according to what you got. And, you know, I do like, I love fresh fruit, mm. but I would be content to eat what I grew if I could get it up well, If you've got the enough. time and suitable storage conditions, you can store apples and pears for months, can't you? And, and very much dependent on the varieties you grow. Yeah, so there course. are some apples which you'll pick even in November, yeah. and you'll taste it, and you'll think, oh, that's awful. Yeah. But if you wait, yeah. in about two months, you'll taste it, and you'll go, that's the best yeah. apple I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it's about getting your knowledge of your apples yeah. up and, I know, and, I mean, and I mean, for storage. I my, my granny used to have a brownie apple tree, and she'd take the apples down carefully and wrap each one in newspaper, yeah. and they'd be in crates in the back of that's her it. coal shed. And she had apples pretty much all, all year, year round. Right. Not quite, but very nearly all year round yeah. because of it. But it meant... A load of work. Looking back at it now, I was thinking, you know, she must have spent hours and hours on maintaining that yeah. and checking the apples and making sure... You know sure what? It's not that bad. We used to do it. Yeah? Yeah, we used to do it. We used to do it all the time. I think it's also a bit about decent knowledge and that if you wait till a Bramley is really ripe and then yeah. you pick it, yeah. I don't think it'll store that long. Okay, I think yeah, you yeah. pick them almost underripe. Okay, yeah. Because, right. then, because then they've got more acid yeah. in, haven't they? Right. And then by the time that's mellowed off... Yeah. It's actually quite nice to have it, and it probably aids to storage. Well, it's a bit easier to do with pears because you pick them underripe and you store them underripe. Yeah. It's only when you bring them out of storage they yeah. start to ripen, isn't it? With pears. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. so self-sufficient in fruit is a huge thing. Yeah. But what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and really up my fruit game at home, and I'm going to just kind of concentrate on that a little bit and yeah. and really gear up my production at home, yeah. and um, you know, see what comes about, and. Um, I think it could be quite an interesting little project. Well, I was thinking about your garden, and I'm thinking that you probably need to have a think about things like Tayberries and Loganberries as well. Mm. They travel through the old hedge. Because whilst you wouldn't sow a blackberry, mm. if, you, if you planted a Tayberry or a Loganberry... It will form a hedge, won't it? Will, it, will, well, it will grow into your hedge, won't yeah, it? And then you'll have fruit on your hedge. Which is all right with me. Or, or on that... I've lived in that house for 20 years, right? Yeah. And there are raspberries that come up every year out the front round yeah. the carpool, which have been there forever. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what they are. I think they're autumn fruiting. They're yeah. just coming now. Yeah. And if you cut them to the ground, they come up yeah. 10 feet. So yeah. they're autumn fruiting rods. We get them. The birds have some. Yeah. But, I mean, if I manage them better, yeah. they actually, that, that could be quite a good crop there. Yeah. It's one, it's one of my things for next year. It's going to be on my list for next year when it comes around to looking at our objectives. For I don't know anything to them, mate. No. Well, I've, I've, got, I've inherited this plot with all this fruit in it. Yeah. And I'm looking at it and going, I've not really grown a lot of fruit no. over the years. No, no, Strawberries right. and currants, yeah, but beyond that, not really. How expensive are they now? I know, yeah. The f- cost of fruit is way out, out yeah. strips out, outstrips the cost of um, uh, vegetables, doesn't yeah. it? The increase. So. Yeah. so I think, you know, with our, with our combined efforts, we should have a go. I think next year, it's my, certainly one of my things to get that. The new get fruit here? Well, <laughs> just to get to the new plot, to have some focus to it. Yeah. So it's, and I've got sort of. I must I'll just, just go, to you, go go to the fruit plot, darling. Must just must just say this to you before we move on to the other topic, right? Yeah. So I was thinking the other day about the about the my existing plot, right? Yeah. The one I've had for years. It's got twenty five raised beds on it, and I was thinking because obviously I've got these like 
little tiny little monoculture beds, right? They're a meter and a half by a meter and a half. And I've got one full of strawberries, one full of cabbages, one full of carrots, one full of whatever, right? What if, what if each one were one week's worth of vegetables? Oh, mate, we talked about <coughs> this. This is serious. It's all about your planting, though, isn't it? Times. Yeah. But we did talk about it once, about having those crates that you just yeah. had a rotation system it just on. crossed my mind the other day. I was just thinking about the next, when I'm, I'm sowing for the, the, you know, I've cleared some things out and I'm looking to sow. I'd look on, I'd get all your seed packets out. Yeah. And... I think if you buy king seeds, which I know you do, do yeah. it always has uh, sowing to cropping yeah. timing. Yeah. So it, it has those boxes which do yeah, that, like but, there's all, but it also says 12 weeks or what yeah, have you. Yeah, it does. And I'll try and get as many that were like yeah. 10 weeks and just put them all in one block. Yeah. And then, because that would make it really easy, wouldn't it? Yeah. And then, yeah, you might have a slower growing lettuce, but then it will catch up with your baby carrots and whatever you Because I'm just, I'm just finding increasingly I'm not, I'm, I'm into planting, I'm into cropping, mm-hmm. I'm catch cropping and all those ones where I've got more than one thing in a bed and it's just kind of almost the natural next evolution and if yeah it would be amazing 25 weeks of the year I've got one bed yeah wouldn't it it be cool it would two potatoes I don't know if it'd be be enough is the only thing or whether I get enough stuff in there but depends how big they are yeah well a metre and a half by a metre and a half yeah it'd be really interesting wouldn't it it would be really interesting to try I have to say what's that one cabbage a few carrots, a couple, couple of onions, onions yeah, yeah, garlic. Yeah, it'd be weird, wouldn't it? It would look weird, and all. It would look really yeah, weird, yeah. wouldn't it? But and it'll be different stages of growth. But it I would be, be quite pretty cool. cool, yeah. I think it would anyway. be great. Anyway, so <laughs> that's that. So being self-sufficient in fruit, we reckon is doable, but it requires you to think about what you eat. And you probably will eat less fruit, yeah, and less varieties, yeah, in different forms, yeah. But I'm not sure life would be bad for that. But I'm in little life head at the moment. So yeah, 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 and you like scones and jam, don't you? So. Oh, man. Do yeah, yeah. So, no, listen, it's, a, it's an idea, isn't it? It makes yeah. people think about where they come from and yeah. the provenance of, you know, buying a dragon fruit. Yeah, no, I've been buying British strawberries. It's the only time of year I'll eat strawberries. Mm. If, I can't, yeah, well, if they're not from the allotment, and now it's the time to eat them. Otherwise, what is the point? Because they don't taste like strawberries. Well, I do like pick your own, I have to say. Yeah. It's a great institution yeah. in our country, isn't yeah. it? And I'm sure in other countries as well. Yeah. But something that we do as a family, you know, if we can't grow enough raspberries or we're going to make jam this week, so yeah. we'll go out and get it. And mm. certainly, certainly, it's certainly probably the one bit of foraging that's left in the psyche of most yeah. English families, isn't yeah, yeah. it? At least to go Take and the pick kids. blackberry in, you know, yeah. still still in yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely something which we, are, we, you know, we live with. So it's just mm. about pulling it out and yeah. drawing it out. Yeah. So let's. You, you had another topic you wanted to talk about, which is self sufficiency in alcohol, and I feel a whole lot more able to confidence to talk about this one. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, it's it's about that. It's about what prompts these things, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's six quid now for a pint. Yep. Six pound for a pint in a pub, and that's that's you know yeah you might get some place which are. Four fifty four ninety five quid, yeah. but it's hovering around that, yeah. and it's never going to go down. I can't see it, no. Ever going to go no. down, because it never has since I've been alive. No. And so, the the gap between the cost of alcohol to drink at home, mm. if you drink, and apologies if this bit of the podcast is boring to people who don't drink, the cost of alcohol that you drink at home, and the cost of alcohol that you drink in a pub, that gap has got wider, I yep. would say, because even though the cost of alcohol to drink at home has gone up. A bit, I don't feel it's gone up nearly as not much. Not close. Yeah, it's gone up. I reckon it's gone up. I'm trying to think how much it is now. 
I reckon it's probably gone up by about 16% for stuff that I buy. Okay. Whereas when you're looking at, what, 450 to 6 quid, what's that, 25 We're talking about beer? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So it's gone up a bit, yeah. but not as much as it's gone up in the pubs. No, so. nowhere near. And it also, it also feels a lot worse because 6 quid for a pint sounds like a lot, particularly when you could go to the shop and buy probably a four-pack of cans for that easy. 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 So the beer that I drink, which is brewed by Marston's, is still yeah. one pound. Is that the bank's... Yeah, that's still one pound, one pound three or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and that's for a pint yeah. bottle. It's, you know, it's a bog standard ale. Don't get me wrong. It's quite, you know? quite a nice ale, to be fair. I quite enjoy that for time. It's all right. Yeah, um, that's the, that's right on the cheap end. For though. the price, you won't get you won't you won't get many more than that. No, but I get like the the, the IPA style I like to drink. You get, I think it's three for six quid in the co-op. That's not bad. I think you can get four for six quid in some of the supermarkets. Bottles, like 500 mil bottles. Yeah, so bottles are more expensive, obviously. Funnily enough, the cost of spirits doesn't seem to have risen at the same rate as the cost no. of beer. You know, if you go and buy one that's on offer, you can get yourself a bottle of, litre bottle of scotch for still pretty cheap, can't you? Yeah, I think it has gone up a bit, though. I've seen that. Gone yeah, up. it has a bit. No, it's gone up a bit. I'm not, I buy it as often, but... No, nor do I. Until, well, I don't buy it at all, to be honest with you. Um, so, what I wanted to talk about was about being self-sufficient in alcohol if you want to. Which is kind of related to what we've just been talking about, isn't it? Mm. Because actually most of the alcohol that we're likely to talk about making at home is probably going to be made from some form of fruit. Some form of fruit or a kit. Yeah. You know, and, you know, talk about kit beers for a moment. We've both talked about brewing before. And unless you've got a lot of space Mm -hmm. and time to perfect it, I would start with kit beers. Yeah. Not sure that counts as being self-sufficient in beer, though. I'm not sure it does count as being self-sufficient in beer, but unless you make sugar, you're going to struggle to be self-sufficient in beer anyway. That is true. Without <laughs> any alcohol, for that matter. Yeah. Or my mind, honey might do it. Yeah, you could oh, yeah. make mead, couldn't we? Yeah, we'll I'm, talk a bit about that because we're going to have a go. I reckon you year. could make some some country wines with honey instead of yeah. sugar. The only problem you'll have is the whether the how well the honey reacts to the yeast you would normally yeah, use. Yeah, it might flavour it, mightn't it? Yeah, it definitely yeah. would flavour it. So I would talk about. Brewing kit beers, yeah, because I think that the return that you get is really cost-effective. Mm-hmm. So you probably can get it to about fifty p a pint. Yeah, so that's where you get to about fifty p a pint. Yeah. That's how much the wherry is, right? Yeah. You can buy a really nice bottle for a pound a pint, though. Yeah. So you got to you got to bear that in mind. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to try and make alcohol for cheaper than 50p a pint, then you're looking at cider for, as your main, I would say cider is definitely the way forward. Cider's a really good one. But um, the kit's not cheap to make cider. No, don't buy a cider kit, that's crazy. No, 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 the kit to make cider, oh, to get the gear in the press. You, you yeah, have to okay, have yeah, 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 that's you know. true, that is true. And, and, and there's a cost implication there, but that's where I would be saying, as I will on a lot of these things about brewing, is don't brew on your own. It's such a nice sociable thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Share the cost, share the wealth, share the gear. So let's let's just let's just slow this down a bit and make it a bit more considered. Because I think there's the kit beers. I think the kit beers are a really good place to start for people who haven't done it before. Yeah, because it tells you what to do. Yeah, gives you all your ingredients, and, and the likely outcome is going to be pretty much the same. It's pretty reliably the same yeah, it is, every it. time. If you follow the instructions to the letter. You'll pretty reliably get the same quality. Now, whether you like what you produce or yeah. not is another question. So you're looking at about 20, 20, 20 to £25 pound for a really good one, but you yeah. can go as low as about £15. We, have, we had one each for £15 quid yeah. earlier this year, didn't we? 40 pints. Yeah. And some of them will have sugar in them already, yeah. and some won't. 
And the chances are the gear for that, that you need for that, you can probably pick up on Facebook Marketplace for nothing. not very much or nothing. Yeah, because people will get given this stuff, and I've I've got sets that have been given to me that I'll, they'll get recycled out to somebody who wants them yeah. at some point because I've got more than I need. Um, and so it's easy to get the gear. And actually, if you were really stuck, you could almost do it in PET bottles with a balloon. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? You you could do it that way if you were really really stumped. So, so I think from that point of view, I think that's it's a nice place to start. It's easy. It's pretty reliable. Relatively cheap. And I and and I'm you know my wife drinks more beer than me, but. If you're a beer drinker, mm. country wines aren't going to do it for me. No, no. I want a bit of a pint. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah. looking at cider yeah. or beer. Okay. All right. That's that's where I'm at. Whereas I, at certain times of year, country wine, spot on. Yeah. Really yeah, exactly. I'm not yeah. the greatest country yeah. wine drinker. Okay. So, so that's that. So then to go on to the, the apple-based yeah. drinks, so cider, there's a couple of things you can do here, right? Mm. Obviously, you can get your own apples and press them. Which is what I would tell Which is what I would do. suggest most people do, right? If, you, if you've got the capacity to either get your own apples and have them pressed and mm. juiced, or to do it yourself. Which a lot of people do, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And you can freeze the juice and just yeah. have it as juice. Yeah. Or you can turn it into alcohol. And I have to say that I know, because my brother-in-law's done it, buying the scratter and the press is not as expensive as it used to be. No, it's not. It's come they, down they, quite significantly. they are often on second-hand yeah. availability. Yeah. And... If you can find someone else to go in with to purchase it, yeah, you know, if we did, if we hadn't had one, we'd have bought one. Together. Well, if we if we had a massive apple tree, we'd absolutely be yeah. invested in one. Yeah. yeah, if I had a massive apple tree in my garden, I wouldn't be letting the windfalls go. I'd be using them for cider every time. That makes no sense to anything else for me. Um, you can also though make wine with those apples, absolutely, and you can also make cider and wine with apple juice you buy from the shops. Yeah. So if you're looking at it and going, well, I haven't got, you know, I live in a flat in the middle of town, I can't make cider. No, you can yeah. make cider. You can even buy cheap juice and make cider. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I've, I've bought cheap. I've, some of the best wines I've made have been with really cheap, cheap fruit, juice fruit juice from the supermarket. Yeah. yeah. So going on to country wines, some of the best ones, mm. amazing, mm. amazing fruit juice wines, and really, really easy and yeah. really, really quick as well. And I don't think, yeah, you're going to have the odd time when it's not, but getting a consistent cider is not actually too bad. It will be different every year because of what varieties you use and things yeah. like that. Yeah. What I meant by consistent is, I mean, palatable. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's drinkable. Yeah. yeah, nice drinkable cider. Yeah. And I can tell you something else, it'll do the job. Yeah, and, and what's, <laughs> what's nice about the cider is once you've got the gear, you don't actually need anything other than the no. apples to make a cider. No. What I would suggest that you might do once it's finished and it's clear, as you might adjust it, yeah. So you might go. It's a bit dry, or it's a bit. It's going to be. It's a bit dry. It won't be a bit. It's yeah. a bit sweet. It's a bit dry, so yeah, I might, might need to sweeten to it somehow it, yeah. and adjust it that way. Um, but like you say, you can get a perfectly drinkable cider mm. for very little effort. So cider, and you can probably get most of that for free, and then mm. and then you get into a whole raft of what are known as country wines, which is where it gets really cheap. It gets very cheap. But sugar is not that cheap anymore. No, it's but not. But it's still cheap for what you're going to make. Still, yeah. You're looking at getting between three and five pounds of whatever it is, vegetable or fruit matter, yeah. boiling it and straining it over three pounds yeah. of sugar and putting yeah. it in a demijohn. Yeah, with, with a yeast. bit of yeast yeah. and some yeast nutrient probably. And so I reckon for, I don't know, three quid, yeah. you can make half a yeah. dozen bottles of wine. And the majority of what you use you should try and get for free. So whether that's yeah. elderflower, elderberry, blackberries, crab apples, carrots, rhubarb, like we've yeah. been discussing. Yeah. You can make wine out of all matter of things. And people I did. I need to extol the virtues of elderberry wine. Mm. 
because for me this is it was known as the Englishman grape with a good re- mm. for good reason. This is the king mm. of country wines oh my in God, my yeah. estimation. It needs a bit of aging. Yeah, of course it does. But then but, what doesn't? Well, no, that is true. And I think you know you you can drink those fruit based the fruit juice wines really young, like literally. Yeah, but they'll be very sweet. Okay. Yeah, they will be, but actually quite palatable, quite yeah. nice, especially if you drink them cold. But the elderberry wine really benefits aging. Um, and I would say if you if you're going to make one, that's the place yeah. to start. But be prepared to make it now for three years time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there are so many different things. I mean, literally, if you've got fruits and vegetables, you, I've made it out of tea and raisin. Mate. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, and it, it was grim. It was. Oh, no, not <laughs> but they're just grapes, mate. Aren't they, and, and mint, mint. I've made a mint wine. Oh no. Yeah, okay. I made that. That was a bit odd. Oh, was a bit list, odd. Listerine. Yes. <laughs> I was going to go back a little step there oh. though and ask you to talk about. Ginger beer. Yeah. And I was going to talk about nettle beer because I'm going to make some okay. nettle beer. I've All not right. made it yet. All I'm right. going to make some nettle beer. Okay. So I've got a recipe for it. I look forward to drinking some simple. Yeah. Just a, and a very time honoured thing, nettle beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've never tried it. Okay. I've never drunk it. I've never seen it. But I thought I'd give it a go. Right. And I don't think it's going to be that dissimilar to your um, elderflower kind of champagne, which is weak. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to have that kind of thing going on. But I will get some nettles and have a go at it because I really want to try it. And um, I actually think it might be quite nice because it's got that earthy. No flavor. reason why it shouldn't be, is it? No, no, no it's lemons and. What, do you, do you hop it or do you? No, nope. no, no. It's literally a very simple. Way. Okay. I think it's lemons, citric acid, yeah. if you want to use it. Yeah. Yeast and nettles. Right. Okay. I think it's that. Sounds like what I'd use to like sugar. feed the garden, mate. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> okay. I've heard of it historically yeah. as being quite yeah. a nice brew, so I'm going to try and make the nettle beer. But you've you've made ginger beer quite a lot. But is it a cheap brew? It's, I could, it's a lot cheaper than buying a kit. Mm. Um, so that is, it's. I'm trying to remember the recipes. I'm not done it for sugar. a while. It's sugar. It's quite a lot of ginger, but ginger is not terribly expensive, and you could grow, grow it yourself it. in this yeah. country. Uh, lemons, quite a lot of lemons. And I would say to get a really good one. So you know, obviously, when we're thinking about ginger beer, we're thinking about something like the Crabby's ginger mm. beer, which has become popular. Well, I was popular for a while, about ten years ago. I'm not mm. sure it's quite as popular now. Um, you're thinking about a, a fizzy beer type drink, which is actually quite sweet. Oh, it's delicious, mate. Very fiery, very first first drenching yeah. in the summer. Yeah, yeah. I like over ice. Enjoy drinking it, yeah. With, and made yeah. of shandy. We're yeah, out of it. Lovely, yeah. very nice. So ginger. I'll get I, now, mate. I would say you need some ground ginger in there to make that okay. get that fieriness in there. Yeah. And probably the recipe that you find online won't have enough ginger in it right. either. But. A lot of ginger, a lot of lemons, a lot of sugar, some yeast, some yeast nutrient, mm. and I reckon I could make forty pints for less than a tenner. Yeah, so that's even cheaper. Then, yeah. yeah. So then, so you've got your country wines there, which will get you out foraging, getting your rose hips and yep. things like that. You've got beer. What this, what we won't get into is is um, obvi- obviously distilling. No, that's a whole nother ball game, which. Obviously, there's some legal issues with regards to that. So I'm not going to really talk about that. No, I'm going to talk about literally getting to a position where you could have alcohol if you wanted it each yeah. week or day. Or well, we established, didn't we? Every like, hour in your case. People, yeah, people <laughs> I know that, that were saying, actually, it's not illegal to distill. It's this distilling for sale. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so you could get into that, but you could get into making fruit liqueurs with existing alcohol. Yeah. Everyone's got a couple of bottles of some alcohol in the back of yeah. their cupboard that no one drinks, right? So you could go and take your strawberries and steep them in vodka with some sugar. 
And you'll make a very nice yeah, strawberry I do love, liqueur. I, do, I have yeah. done a lot of slow gin in my time, yeah. and I've never not liked it. I think it's no. absolutely It's super. another one that benefits from aging, but it is absolutely brilliant. Obviously, you're buying your liqueur. Yeah. Liquor, yeah. Right? yeah. So, you are. It's so, not, not really self-sufficient, but it, it, in terms of you having your own drinks you've made, absolutely. I would say that all of the um, homemade alcohol I've ever had is far more heady than shop-bought alcohol. Yeah. In that it hits you really hard. Yeah. But then I don't ever seem to suffer the same effects afterwards. I don't, know I don't drink much. as much though. Yeah, I'm gonna say I don't know. It depends how much you have of it. I, I know that my ginger beer Kills used you. to drink like it was eight percent, didn't it? <laughs> Even though it was supposedly four percent. Yeah, you used to, you nearly died once. I nearly killed myself on that. <laughs> that's that's something to be aware of. If it tastes really nice, you're gonna drink more of it. Yeah, be careful, yeah, right? It's very strong. Be very it. careful because it is strong. So it, you know, it depends how much you drink as well. Uh, the the one thing I would say about brewing is that it takes up a lot of space. You know, in your house, you know, demijohns take up a lot. It's something that I'm, I, every so often I'll get it in the neck at home about because I've got yeah. half a dozen demijohns on the side yeah. of the kitchen and they've been there for two months. Yeah, and my thing is that I forget to re-rack and stuff like that. And then, I, you know, I've probably got quite a high percentage of failure with my, because I'm, okay. I'm not fastidious enough at re-racking I, I think, and clearing. And, I think if you're going to make alcohol, you need to be spotlessly clean and yeah. sterilise. I know mine is because I just don't, I leave them on the leads too long yeah, and okay. they yeah. develop yeah. some bad yeah, taste. Fleur de lis, don't they? Yeah, and, they don't. Yeah. and the other thing to bear in mind, particularly with... With um, homemade wines, I've noticed is they get kind of a. I'm not sure it's the flavour or if it's the the, the 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 bouquet. I think they call it in wine, don't they? The smell. Mm. It's kind of yeasty. Right. So it doesn't always. When you get like a nice chardonnay, it smells all fruity and it's all yeah. lovely. When you actually make your own. Yeah. They don't always have that though. You get a kind of a yeastiness to it sometimes. Yeah. Maybe you're not doing it right. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> it's entirely possible. <laughs> It's maybe got me drunk a few maybe times. Maybe you want to wash your glasses. Yeah, up yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think to go back to the point, which is that it is, I think it'll be very easy to be self-sufficient yeah. in alcohol, depending on what you drink. Yeah. And my thing is that um, I've there's a tendency if you make alcohol to make loads of different ones. Yeah. And what I've done is tried loads and then gone yeah. back to I make kit beer. Yeah. I make cider. Yeah. I'd like to make elderflower champagne, but yeah. I didn't do it this time. Yeah. I would make apple wine, yeah. and I'd probably make elderberry wine, yeah. and that would probably be That'd it. That'd be enough, yeah. yeah. That's probably where I'd I, go. I, uh, the, the old fellow on the allotment that used to be next to me, I, I mentioned before, he, he's, he makes his own beer from scratch. Next time I see him, I'm going to ask him about that. Because mm. I'd like to know, it, and I know there are people on the Facebook group that do this, mm. um, and I, and I wonder how much gear I'd need in addition to what I've already got. I don't think you need possible. a lot. I don't think you need a and lot. And how much effort it would be to do it. It's a day's work, mate, yeah. to make a big big load of it. I've watched fellas doing it now at work for the last couple of times. Yeah. So I don't think it would be that bad. And I, um, Listen, if me and you ever have a project, it's that. Yeah. And, you know, go in and maybe buy what we need to... I like to get our ingredients. One, one of the things I'm aware of is that, you, you know, you're going to need to boil it up, right? And so I've got a plan. Which involves me getting some pretty serious gas burners outside in my kitchen, in my outdoor kitchen. Burco. An old Tio. Just do it in that. Okay. Because that would definitely do it. All right. All right. <laughs> and then you we might should... have to tap it, is all. I think we should do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got no problem should... doing it. And I've got a guy at work now who's making 300 pints at a time. So right. we should definitely tap him up. He's still using kit malt. Yeah. But he's doing his own hopping. Yeah. And his timings, and he's certainly doing his. He's brewing, he's brewing using dry ingredients. Okay. So it'd definitely be worth having a chat with him about it first. And then he's doing, um, he's got, it's, it, it is literally a giant kettle yeah. which siphons into two barrels. Okay. That's what it is. And oh. then it sits in those 
but it still does that thing where you know you've got a demi on with an airlock on it. Yeah. It's a three hundred pint demi on okay. plastic with right. an airlock at the top and a tab yeah. at the bottom, and it still has to do that. So basically, the pressure barrels days. we've got is more than sufficient. And then he's put it from there into pressure barrels. Okay. It doesn't dispense out of that, right. so you could bottle it or you could put it as he's done. So you know those to five pressure barrels. So you know the big twenty-five liter brewing drums. Yeah. I've got three of those. Yeah, that'd be enough. It's just the boiling of the mash. Yeah. You've got to have something big enough to put it all in, which is where your burko comes in. Yeah. So I think it would be worth having a go. Uh, But I think if you think about, think about 80 pints. Yeah. Because then what we do is make one and split it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But what he's very good at is that that first one's not ready and he's made another one. So you just keep doing it every month. Yeah. So you keep drawing down. So he's got six now. Yeah. Barrels ready, or yeah. no, there's four in each one. So, 12 barrels of beer now. Yeah, and the first one, I mean, not no, drinking it yet. They've tried it, yeah. And I think uh, we had a power cup when you done first one, yeah. so it sat in the malt for too long, yeah. So, it's like strong, yeah. but he says it's affected the mouthfeel and right. the flavor. So, he said he'll drink it, yeah, but it's not what he wants, right. So, the next one's really good already, yeah. apparently. And then he's just going to try okay. and get a level of consistency. And we've talked about next year me growing the hops, okay. Yeah, at the farm yeah. and then start to replace the ingredients with yeah. ones from the farm yeah give it a go sounds like a plan well I'd like to just buy stuff in first and see where you go well I think you need to start there to see if you like it because no yeah. point doing like work totally and agree. then finally you don't like totally it agree. and it might be that we could go and use the one that's at work because it's a day you go on yeah. a Saturday you make it in a day okay and then you clean it out Alright. Then it's done. So it's not it's well, not it's not rocket science, is it? Well, perhaps we do that. We that sounds it, a lot easier. Before we buy it, we just go and use what's there. Well, even if we just did that twice a year, mate, that's done, isn't it? <sighs> mate, we're gonna be I mean no more podcasts. Well, no. <laughs> but all I'll all I'll do is I'll just save a load of bottles and we'll bottle it. Yeah, well I like I like a keg. I know I know you like a keg, but I don't know how long it'll keep in a keg. Well it depends where it is. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps fragile it around. Drinking it. <laughs> if you bottled it, it keeps like almost yeah, indefinitely, it right, doesn't it? So once it's in there, that's it. You, Forget about it for a bit. Very nice. You only need to do it a couple of times. I'll a year, start saving my bottles then from banks. I think we should. I'll get two a week. Yeah. They won't take long. And I, I think if we do that, we'll very very quickly have I've I've probably already got forty clear glass bottles at home. Okay. Or very close to it. And then if we just did that, I mean if you're talking about three hundred pints though. Three hundred I think it? it I think it I think it makes three hundred pints. Or you can make three hundred pints. Yeah. Or you can make two lots of one fifty. So let's let's make a smaller batch once mm. and see if we like it. And then, if we liked it, we just asked to borrow the gear once a year and make a year's worth of beer yeah, at a time. Yeah, it would be Done. fun. Yeah, it'd be great. Oh dear, <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> well, he'll be doing another one when he gets back, so I'll just watch him for a day. And... A year's worth of beer. Absolutely. Oh dear, oh dear. That'd be hard times, wouldn't it? You have to find something to store it, would be only problem. Uh, no, that's not <laughs> I reckon it wouldn't matter how small your house was. Someone said, can you store a year's worth of beer? You go, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah no problem. Yeah. All right. Well, we better leave it there anyway, mate. But thank you very yeah, much Yeah, we've got beekeeping to do, haven't we, mate? Yeah, I need to go and see these bees quickly and put some more frames in, make sure they're all right, and then we're going to move them around, aren't we? So aye, aye. We will speak to each other. One thing I must say is it's very likely, knowing our schedules and how they're going to work for August, that we might miss next. No, we won't. It might be six weeks. I don't think it will we'll be. I think we're going to do a gig. You reckon we'll, we'll just record after that? Or we'll see it. if we can. All right, be nice if we can. I'm not sure how much I'll have to say is the other thing. Mate, you'll have been around the world. Well, Cornwall. Yeah. You'll have looked at what, how they do their homesteading down there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, we will speak again as soon as we can. And if it's not next time, apologies. And we'll speak to you in about six weeks' time. All right, right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.
So, ladies and gents, if you've enjoyed listening to the latest episode of the Homesteading UK podcast, uh, please get onto our Facebook group, Homesteading UK podcast Facebook group. Come and follow us on uh, Instagram and all those good places. And please do tell all your friends about us and uh, how much you've enjoyed listening. Uh, come back again next time. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers. Bye bye.